Praise the Lord. All right, we're continuing on a series entitled, Be Ye Followers of Me. And as I shared last week, I think it was Saturday morning that I woke up and the Lord put that phrase on my heart and I immediately knew that he wanted me to shift gears from anything I had planned before that and to um, put together a sermon for that. So um, partially through that that day he gave me some scriptures and then that night I finished up the sermon and the thing is I didn't mention anything to Pam whatsoever and then when we got up the following morning we're discussing things before church she literally quoted that same phrase so I knew that was something the Lord had placed upon our both of our spirits mutually and that I was in the right ballpark amen so I'm talking about be ye followers of me and our text scripture is first Corinthians 4 Verses 15 and 16. And it says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Praise the Lord. All right, so one, a few things that I mentioned last week in terms of some key words. Uh, the first one was the word in which means in relation to or in the direction of. So he's basically saying that you have had many, uh, you may have had 10,000 instructors in Christ, but as he was mentoring them and he was showing them how to walk according to the principles of God, he didn't tell them, follow me as you see me, Paul, the educated man, the Roman citizen, the person that does this or the person that does that. He says, in Christ Jesus, in relation to Jesus, in the direction of Jesus, follow the things that you see in me so that you can arrive at the same destination of eternal glory and also so that you can take on the characteristics of Christ. So I'm not telling you just to be a bunch of followers, to be my entourage, my crew, my clique. I'm telling you, as you see the characteristics of Christ in me, adapt yourself to those things so that you can also take on his nature and also end up in that same direction of fulfilling the call of Jesus on your life. And then he also said, I have begotten you through the gospel. The word begotten means to be procreated or regenerated. I have not birthed you, once again, out of my flesh and blood, out of my mindset. I have begotten you, procreated you in the image, the likeness, and the characteristics of Christ. So any molding I do, any chastisement, any wisdom, any guidance I give you, all those things are with the purpose of molding you or refining you so that you resemble Jesus Christ, my Savior. And so that you not only walk in what you see in me, but you start carrying it on the tradition in future generations. And then the third word was followers. The word followers means imitators or mimics. Amen? Imitators or mimics. To take on the characteristics so much. I remember back in the day, I'm probably dating myself, but there's a guy named Rich Little. And if anybody recalls him, he was a comedian that almost any person that he would hear, he could imitate their voice. He would have the same intonations. He would say the things the same way. His voice even patterned itself after the person's voice so that whether or not it was male or female, this guy one minute could sound like Phyllis Diller. The next he would sound like John Wayne. He was just like, wow, how could a guy do it? But he had a gift for imitating people or mimicking people. And Paul is saying, I want you to mimic me 
as I mimic Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen? Hallelujah. So he made it clear that it wasn't about patterning, patterning themselves after him um, from a fleshly perspective, but patterning themselves after him according to a spiritual perspective. Amen? So that is what God has placed upon my heart. So with that being said, I did not forget to pray, so we would now pray. Amen? Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you even before your word for the opportunity to praise you and give you glory and honor. We just thank you right now, Father, that as we would uh, take in your word, Father, that we would take on the characteristics of Christ. And I don't think it's in by accident in this time of season that you chose to give us this particular series. I know there's areas in which all of us can grow in you and take on your nature more and more. So we praise and thank you, Father, that if there's any areas that are not similar to you, Show it to us, Father, so that we can take on your nature. We praise and thank you, Father, that even if it's things that may step on our toes or rattle our cage, we praise you, Father, that in this time and season, you will show us how to adapt our lifestyle to resemble you, Father, that we could be fruitful not only in our own lives, but also so that we could have an impact on the lives of other people. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for these things. We give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so as I said, to be imitators of Christ. Amen. And I, I really think, as I said last week in the, the American church, that's something that is kind of few and far between because a lot of times we see people pattern themselves after a structure of a church or the person that's at the helm or how they see it done on TV. And we have a, a lot of different things that have the appearance of Christ but don't necessarily have the nature of Christ. So what I'm talking about is God wants us in this time and season to take on the purest form of the characteristics of Christ, that we ooze the nature, the love, the compassion, the fervency, the commitment, the loyalty, all the attributes of Jesus Christ at the highest level possible. And last week, we had talked about a few things. And one of the things I had mentioned is that we may have read this passage of Scripture a bunch of times. Follow me as I follow Christ. But what does that mean? A lot of times people read over it, but we don't really take into consideration what it meant. But as I explained, in Acts chapter 20, we actually see Paul describing a lot of his characteristics in detail. So we can use that maybe not as the perfect list of all his characteristics, but it's a pretty thorough list of the characteristics that he had as he served Jesus Christ. So last week we saw initially that he walked in humility and he had a servant's heart. Then another thing we saw is that he walked in integrity and commitment. That's big right there. Integrity and commitment. Because we're in a day and age where if you say one thing, I'm finding me another church. Or I'm not coming in three weeks. People are so touchy nowadays. I mean, how can somebody be a commander, a guide, a disciplinarian, an instructor of your life if they can never tell you about yourself? I had school teachers that sometimes pushed me or prodded me and gave me detention. Amen. <laughs> you know, but sometimes they did these things not because they hated me or they were trying to harm me, but they were trying to guide me in the right direction. And sometimes to guide somebody, you got to warn somebody, and sometimes you got to step on their toes, amen, to help them avoid the pain of running out there and venturing into the unknown to something that may harm them or even be 
fatal to them. So we're in a day and age where the commitment is not quite there. I've had people approach me. I remember years ago, this guy approached me. He said, man, you're so full of the word. He said, man, I'd love to be like that. And, you know, can you kind of guide me on the things that I could do? So I went out, bought a Strong's Concordance. I mean, this thing was about, well, about four or five inches thick, big thing, you know, full of Hebrew and Greek terms and descriptions and it had commentaries and guides and maps and all this stuff. I bought it for him, took it to his house, opened it up, started giving him some instruction how to do the thing and, you know, how to use it. And he was all excited. And then I think it's about six months later, I ran into the guy. I said, hey, so how you doing with the concordance? He said, oh, after that session with you, I didn't use it again. Where's your commitment? So it's easy to say, I'm hungry for the things of God. I want to grow in the things of God. I want more anointing. I want God to place me here or place me there. But where's the commitment and the fervency of doing the work it takes to get you to the very thing that you're asking for? Amen? That is something that is sorely lacking in this day and age. Then I talked about... Uh, compassion and being unprejudiced. Paul was willing to preach to both the Jews and the Gentiles. And he said, I'll make myself, uh, I'll adapt myself and be flexible to whoever you send me to preach to, God. So if they're the Jews, I'll come to them and I'll speak to them as I might a Jew. You know, and I'll follow the traditions of the Jews. And I won't do anything that is offensive to the Jews. And when I'm with the Gentiles, there's certain things I may do or say that'll make me approachable by the Gentiles. He said, at one point, I make I made myself all things to all men. So in other words, I can adapt myself to the situation. Amen? And the way we can think of that in this day and age is that if I'm among the professionals, I speak as a professional, I dress as a professional. But when I'm in the hood, I can use a little slang that I might not use in a corporate environment. So that's basically how Paul patterned himself. And the thing about him being unprejudiced he basically said that my ministry is not geared just to one class of people, Jews or Gentile. In our modern day, we might say not only was it not just to Jews or Gentiles, but I will say it's not just to a certain socioeconomic class or a certain group or a certain race or a certain culture. I am open to ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ to everybody. And sometimes it's not ministering by preaching a word or quoting something chapter and verse. Sometimes it's just showing the love of Christ. I went to a barbecue yesterday over at a, a Jewish guy's home and, um, you know, had my first, I think I might have had my first kosher hamburger. Y'all need to try kosher hamburgers. Whoo! You think Angus is good? Get yourself some, some kosher beef. I'm talking. I'm almost chattering my teeth biting through that thing. It's so tender. Amen? Whoo! But anyway, we're there at the barbecue. People are eating. People are laughing. People are drinking. And all of a sudden, this woman's talking about how she's concerned about her son's upcoming uh, bar mitzvah. And the next thing you know, we're talking about Jewish customs and traditions. She's talking about somebody in her family. Uh, her, her grandfather got dropped off at a, at a convent that, back during the Holocaust because they were running about to, to, to capture the family and could have killed them all at Auschwitz or something like that. So her parents, wanting to spare their son, literally dropped him off at a convent and fled. 
they get captured. Uh, fortunately, they were in internment for a while, but they didn't get uh, killed. And then five years later, they go back to that same convent looking for him. And he couldn't even believe that his parents had returned. So they had to tell him a lot of stuff to convince them that we are your family. And we, are, we sent you here and left you here so that you would be safe. And she's worrying about the pompous circumstance of how much I'm spending for this. What kind of alcohol or bar am I going to have? I'm like, are you kidding me? Listen to the rich history of what you have to offer your son. That's more important than anything. But the thing is, I'm at a barbecue that's supposed to be fun and food and drink and laughing and stuff like that. And we're talking spiritual things. So you just never know when things will come in because one of the guys was there. He's like, well, I know all the things of the Torah and this and that and all the things you've got to recite at the bar mitzvah and everything. But he's like, Brian's a pastor and he may not know all the, the, the Jewish stuff, but he knows a lot of it. And he will tell you from a spiritual perspective some of the things that you need to do. <laughs> so, so the thing is, it's like because I've made myself adaptable and flexible, some of the people say certain things. On two occasions yesterday, the one guy says Brian is, is a minister. Then another situation, the guy is literally junk, drunk, red-faced, talking to his girlfriend. They're all huggy-huggy, kissing and about falling out and talking about, she's talking about her ex-husband and everything. He's like, well, you can go to Brian any time. He's a pastor. <laughs> so I was like, well, at least I'm being identified among all the drunks. <laughs> And they're, you know, so drinking and taking shots and offering me fireballs, some kind of thing that has a cinnamon taste. And no, no, no. And I'm in the midst of all of that, but yet I'm having fun with them. And they can see I'm totally approachable. And I'm not curling up my nose or, oh, you bunch of drunks. Or I'm out of here. You know, this place is a hellish place. I'm out of here. No, I just, oh, I'm getting me another one of them burgers. Oh, them hot dogs are looking good. Oh, chicken shish kebab. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself. I'm just not drinking. Amen? So that's how Paul wants us to be. Amen? Flexible, adaptable, moldable, able to go in anywhere. Amen? It's almost like the men who have, um, it's one thing to have a wrench, but it's another thing to have a ratchet that you could change at different ends to use for multiple purposes. Amen? So God wants us to be the same way, able to adapt to fit in, to mold, to refine, to shift, to adjust, to be flexible instead of being so uptight. Amen? So now we're going to go on. And the next thing from the book of Acts that Paul was talking about is that he was spirit-led and trusting in God at all times. We can see that in Acts chapter 20. I'm sorry, trusting in the witness of the Holy Spirit, because we talked about being spirit-led and trusting in God last week. So this week, we'll continue on. Acts 20, 23, trusting the witness of the Holy Spirit. So Acts 20, 23 says, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Wow. <laughs> last week in, in Acts chapter 20, 22, Paul had said, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He actually knew when I go to Jerusalem, this could be the place where I get killed. He said, I don't know what's going to happen to me. But he said, I'm not bound to any man. No person intimidates me. No person controls me. Nobody can pressure me. I am bound to the Holy Spirit. 
wherever he says to go, that's where I'm going. Because I am bound to him. We have an attachment. You may not see a literal chain or handcuffs or anything like that, but I am bound to go wherever the Spirit tells me to go, even if it results in my death. And here he goes further in verse 23, and he says that I don't know what is going to happen when I get to Jerusalem. He says, but I know this. Everywhere I'm going, the Holy Spirit is witnessing that something's going to happen to me when I get there that can lead to my death. So that makes me wonder <laughs> about a certain things that as it relates to our lives. Do we trust in what the Holy Spirit is speaking into our life through others or different situations? He said that he went to multiple cities, and each one of these cities, the Holy Spirit was witnessing the same thing. And it's one thing, though, to go place to place, city to city, and have people led by the Holy Spirit to say something or to do something that makes you think of something. Or, you know, there's times where you interact with people and they'll say something that's kind of innocent, but it strikes a nerve in your life. Not a bad nerve, but it, wow, I was just thinking about that. Or I'm dealing with something that is related to what that person just said, and it, gives me further insight. So wherever Paul was going, the Holy Spirit was witnessing this same thing. But the thing that we see in his case is that he not only trusted in the witness of the Holy Spirit, but he continued on the path of where the Holy Spirit was leading him to go. And the reason that's important is that when the Holy Spirit is witnessing something that sounds good to us, it's very easy for us to continue on that path. But what if you're in a situation with Paul that everywhere you're going, the Holy Spirit is witnessing something that might lead to your death? That takes a lot more commitment. Just think, everywhere you're going. <laughs> you go to one man, Agabus the prophet. He wraps stuff around you and says, you're going to be bound when you get to that place there. Then you go to the next person. Everybody's praying. You know, they may know you well or may not know you that good. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives them. You're going to have this happen to you when you go here. Everywhere this guy's going, he's saying people are witnessing by the Holy Spirit or things are occurring that are showing me, you know, maybe news is coming, that this is what they're doing to people that are Christians in that town. Everywhere he's going, he's hearing that thing repeated and repeated and repeated. Something bad is about to befall you for the cause of Christ, and yet he still says, I'm still going. The people were weeping, wrapping their arms around him, saying, don't go, don't go. And he says, you know, why are you crying for me? I know that there's an entrance that's going to be available for me in heavenly places. Why are you crying? I know you love me, but I got to go where I got to go because I am bound to the Holy Spirit and the cause that I had. And the same way I was zealous before I knew Christ to pursue and kill the early church, now I'm just as zealous to obey my heavenly master. And if it leads me to the same death that I previously sentenced, helped sentence other people to, I'm willing to do it. Amen. I'm willing to do it. So Paul trusted in what the Holy Spirit was speaking into his life through others, even if it was something that in the flesh he might not appreciate. And we have to ask ourselves the same thing. Do we only heed the things that are repeated by the Spirit through dreams, through reading the Word, through prayer, through these little tidbits or nuggets that the Holy Spirit drops into your heart? Amen. Do we only heed these things when it's something that appeals to us? And do we run 
when something seems to be repeated as negative, or do we go full steam ahead and give God 100% and have the same level of fervency to God when the things sound like they might be negative? Amen? Hallelujah. One of the things the Lord placed on my part is when the things that the Holy Spirit repeatedly speaks finally manifest, what is your attitude? Do you murmur and complain, or do you, or do you say, well, the, at least the Holy Spirit warned me in advance? <laughs> do you act surprised when they finally come to pass? That's one thing. <laughs> you know, how could the Holy Spirit repeatedly tell you something, then it comes to pass, and you're traumatized and shocked? <gasps> He's been telling you for three weeks. How are you surprised? Were you like this? <laughs> Did you stop up your ears as the Holy Spirit was repeating himself? <laughs> it's almost like, what was it, Chris Tucker in the Rush Hour? Was, Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is speaking and repeating himself. <laughs> He's repeating himself so that you could get the point and be prepared for the thing which is to come. So that when it manifests, even though it might be bad, you're not devastated by it. Instead, you're like, well, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But you know what? If the Holy Spirit warned me in advance, that shows me that God, without a shadow of a doubt, is in my circumstances. And if God said that I'm going to be here, he's going to get me out of it. And if it's not something I'm going to get out of and it's going to lead unto death, then at least God prepared me beforehand so I can glorify him in my sufferings and even thank God I'm partaking of the same sufferings as Jesus Christ. It is well, as well, as well with my soul, and God be glorified even if this temporal shell leaves this earth. Amen? Hallelujah. I, was, um, I got a message from one of Pam's cousins on Facebook. You know, she emails or sends me Facebook things, and she basically said um, to pray for somebody that they said had one week to live. But she said that she was basically upbeat, and she said, hey, I'm full of faith in the Lord. And um, she ended up passing, but she basically said throughout the whole process, she was just like, praise your God, praise your God. Amen. She was happy, and she was at peace. And I, I was just reading this book, um, and I truly believe this is something that can encourage all of us. I was just reading this book, and it's about the last days, and there's this character in the book that was saved and um, they did a lot of terrible things to her, ripped off her clothing and, you know, did things to her sexually and waterboarded her. Where she, you know, waterboarding makes you feel like you're drowning. They did all this stuff to her. Even they got to the point where now they're about to use the guillotine on her and take her head if she doesn't um, recant her love for Jesus Christ. And in the book, even though it's fiction, it's just like she was laying there. And just all of a sudden, before they, the guillotine blade came down, her character's like, what's that smell? It's roses. No, it's not roses. It's better than roses. It's like she had this aroma of, of this, this fragrant scent unlike anything she had ever heard. Then all of a sudden, it felt like her whole body from head to toe was saturated, not with just warmth, but with love. She said it felt like every cell in her body felt like love was just saturating to the point like, take it away. I can't take it anymore. And just all of a sudden, it's just like the glory of heaven opened up. And next thing you know, she was in heavenly places. Amen. I believe that's like a picture of what happens to us, you know, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. One second, we may be here suffering and, and going through trials and tribulations. And the next, wow, even if the colors are alive. Amen. The colors are alive. The water is alive. Everything is life, 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 and love. Amen. 
Hallelujah. So we may go through some things that may seem to be horrible, but I believe that God either gives you the power to endure when the manifestation of those negative things occur, or even if it takes you out of here, God gives you a sense of peace that you're just ready to go. I remember my mom, you know, I was not ready for her to go when she died, but I remember in the hospital room, my aunt Naomi was there. And at this one point, my mom kept saying, see that? You see that? And my aunt Naomi was looking at, she's pointing the window. My aunt Naomi was looking at the window. She's like, what? You know, you're talking about a bird or something like that? She said, no, no. You can't see all that. It's so bright, it's so bright. She just kept talking about the brightness out of her room. And I truly believe, like, the entrance to heaven was opening up, amen, for my mom's spirit to get ushered in. Amen. Hallelujah. So God, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, so the things that we see in the spirit might manifest for good and for bad. But even if they're bad, God is either warning us so that we have the strength to endure and know that he's in the midst of our circumstances. Or, like I said, even if it ushers us into eternity, guess what? You're going to eternity. One thing I told people, one thing I've told people is like, you know what? We're all eternal. You realize that, right? We are all eternal. Even people that unfortunately go to hell, you really think about that, they're eternal beings because they're going to suffer for eternity. You're eternal either you're eternal either way. It's where you choose to inhabit eternally. Not being eternal will be a good thing if you go to hell. If you just get extinguished and that's it. But they're eternal. They will never escape. Thank God that those of us who know Christ, even when the bad things occur, I'm eternal with Christ. This is a small thing I'm enduring right now. And praise God, the Holy Spirit repeatedly warned me and warned me and warned me. Now that thing that I've seen in the Spirit is here to pass. But praise God, I'm an eternal being who's going to be in eternal bliss when this is all said and done. So God, either give me the strength to get through this in the here and now, or if it takes me to glory, praise God, I'll be in your presence forever. Where there's fullness of joy, where you wipe every tear out of my eyes. So what's the worst that the enemy could do to us, even if negative things come to manifestation in our lives. What is the worst that the enemy can do? All he could do is take that body and have nothing to do with it. But God says the one you need to fear or reverence is the one who could take the body and cast soul into hell. Fear him. Amen. This world can't do anything to you outside of what God will allow. Hallelujah. So even when things occur, we should have the trust like Paul did in the Holy Spirit that God will lead me there. I'm going to trust the witness of what he's saying. I'm not going to try to pretend I didn't hear it. Run the other way. As they say, stick your head in the sand and pretend it's not going to occur. Instead, we need to do like Paul said. I'm looking at this thing head on. I don't know exactly what's going to befall me when I get there. But I can tell you one thing. I trust in the one that I'm bound to that is taking me there, that he's going to help me handle this process. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to have the, the mindset of Paul. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, the book of Ezekiel. Go look at an example. Here where basically the people were not trying to hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel 14, verses 1 through 6. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man. 
These men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that set it up idols in his heart and put it the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn your faces from all your abominations. So in this case, God was trying to speak to the people. He's trying to lead them in righteousness and get them into the place where they can get all the promises that he had for them. But yet, the people are like, No, I don't want to hear what God has. I want to hear what I want to hear. Amen? Kind of like a lot of people in this day and age. You know, the Word of God... In the New Testament, talks about people having itching ears. You know, we chase after every fad, fa- um, every fad, everything we want. We got to have this or that. And, well, anything negative couldn't be of God. Well, I don't understand the whole mentality that if it sounds bad, it can't be of God. <laughs> Jesus told Peter, you're going to be executed. <laughs> he told Peter... Before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me. Oh, no. That sounds negative to me. So I don't know why people have the mentality that if somebody says something wrong to you or sounds negative to you, it cannot be of the Spirit of God. It could definitely be the Spirit of God. But like I said, even if it's negative, God can handle the situation for his glory. Amen? Hallelujah. So here we see the people, instead of hearing what God had for them, they set up idols in their heart. This is what I desire. This is what I love. And this is what I'm going to pursue. And God was trying to reason with them and reason with them. And they refused to hear it. So at a certain point, God said, all right, there's nothing I can say to change your mind. So he said, according to the the multitude of their idolatries, or in other words, according to how much they love that thing, I'm going to let them have it. And once they get it, they're going to see the fullness of it and how really it wasn't what they anticipated. And then, basically, they'll repent, come back with the tail, you know, tucked between their legs, and they'll come back to me in spirit and truth. <laughs> Why is it that we got to go the hard route sometime, though? Amen? <laughs> and we, and look, we, we talk about our kids. We talk about our kids. You're so hard-headed. Why well, got to say that ten times? Why well, got to tear that tail up ten times? And you still do it. If the, if, the, if the kids were being truthful, they'd be because you're doing it with God. I see you doing it with God all the time. You saying, I'm hard-headed, Mommy. Well, you hard-headed, too. You said you can't ever get it right. You never get it right. You said, you're so impulsive. You don't think before you do something. You don't think before you do stuff. It's God, a lot of times... A lot of times God's looking down and he's saying the same exact thing to us. But we don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's a shame. So the crazy thing is that God loves you enough that if you're at the point where you won't get your attitude together and repent and get back to the fullness of what God wants you to have or pursue or be about, sometimes God will say, you know what, I'm going to let you have a full taste of it. 
I've done it. I've done that before in situations where I was in leadership of certain people and trying to guide them a certain way. And at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep repeating myself, wasting my time, wearing myself out. You think you got to do that? Go ahead, you know, and get your full of it. And sometimes you need to stumble to get your head right. So I was like, Next, you know, hey, Brian, um, uh, oh, <laughs> uh, sometimes, sometimes life has to say, oops, upside your head, say, oops, upside your head. <laughs> oh, you listening now. You had everything figured out. Now you're, now you're teachable and moldable. Cause see, life doesn't care, you know? That's the thing. The people trying to guide you and warn you and admonish you, they're doing it in love. The world, it doesn't love you. So the world be like, come on. Then, get the, then you get out there and the world be like, <laughs> beating you with that belt. Don't care that you're crying. <laughs> and be like, oh, we were on my, my grandparents' farm where you got in trouble, where they said, go get a switch, and you better not bring back a small one. That's how it was when we were out in the country. Fortunately, I was pretty good, so I wasn't on the end of that too often. Some of my cousins, though. <laughs> They'd be like, you better not bring back a small one. Because you'd be trying, like, they said, get a switch. You'd be, that, that thing would be about that long. It'd be about two inches long. That's good enough to beat me. <laughs> like, okay, you play it, right? <laughs> <laughs> they go grab a tree. <laughs> they go grab a tree to beat you. They knocking you through buildings with their thing. It's so big. <laughs> they they pulling the thing over to you with a. They get a tow truck. You hear chainsaws and a truck towing the switch over to beat you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. Oh, it's hurt me. More hurts you. No, it ain't. <laughs> Are you the one with the welt on your leg right now? <laughs> Are you sitting there? And the thing is, it's like, Dad, couldn't you just beat me with something that just hurt? When it was a welt, it's like, oh, that thing just itches and agitates and it just stays there. Amen. <laughs> so that's the thing. Sometimes Paul was trusting in the witness of the Holy Spirit and follow his lead, amen, and fully trusting him to take him place to place. And whether it was good or bad, Paul said, I'm still going to be obedient and follow your lead. But sometimes we may choose to, like I said, try to pretend, oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. And see, God is patient. God will, like, okay. Like I said, I'll wait and keep trying to recycle that word. Or that admonition, that so you hear it, and sometimes you may get it beforehand, or sometimes you may say, "I still didn't hear it quite right," or "No, that's not true." And next thing you go out there, I remember one time I was at Salt Rock. There's a, a a woman there that came. We had a prayer night, and this woman came, and the Lord gave me a word to give to her, and I made eye contact with her, and as soon as we made eye contact, she knew I had a word for her. So what happened is we were praying and uh, certain people came and I laid hands on this one person I was praying. And by the time I was praying, done praying for that one person, this individual was gone. So I was like, okay. I said, you playing. You know I had a word for you and you fled out of here before you get it. This person didn't, I am not lying, 
Did not come back to Solid Rock for about a year. Walked in there. As soon as they walked in that building, that word dropped right back in my spirit. God is patient. And that's the thing. You think, oh, I'm running from the Lord for a year. The Lord's like, that ain't in about 32 seconds. <laughs> you thought you ran. <laughs> you, you thought the servant or the vessel was going to figure it. First of all, God can drop the word in the spirit everywhere you go. And the thing is, God don't even have to use a preacher or something to do that. You can turn on the TV set. Oop. You're watching a, a comedy. All, some, some, all of a sudden, somebody in that comedy said the very thing like, ooh. <laughs> they wrote that script in that comedy, filmed it, <laughs> put it in the tank, edited it <laughs> for TV, put the commercials in. They aired that thing. <laughs> they prepared that thing months in advance of it coming on air TV, and that character in that comedy could have something be right straight online with what you need to hear. So God can get that thing in your spirit. If you're listening, but if you want to try to duck and dodge and shift and do whatever you want to do, curl yourself up in a pretzel or fetal position to try to avoid it, amen, God is patient. But like I said, at the end of the day, if he repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly tries to get something in your spirit but you don't want to hear it, sometimes God will say, okay, hands off. I'm going to let you get the fullness of it. And as we see here, these people actually were going to different people trying to get a word that tickled their ears. So God's like, okay, you don't want to hear the true word? I'm going to allow the word in one of those prophets' mouth to be something that takes you further into what you say you got to have. And once they got it, they're like, ooh, the grass ain't as green as I thought it was. This isn't as wonderful as I thought it was going to be. And next you know, they're dropping to their knees repenting, and God's like, oh, now I got your attention. But the thing is, why do we put ourselves through all that fuss, all that hassle, all that mess, instead of just going the easier course and trusting in the witness of the Holy Spirit and doing what God wants us to do? It would be so much easier. You know, and like I said, we sometimes call our kids hard-headed, but sometimes we as adults could be even more stubborn. That's why Jesus talked about adults be like one of these little children. He's like, children are more truthful, children are genuine, children are real. Children, I could tell them something, at their level they get it, and they'll do it. And they'll serve me fully out of love. But some of y'all adults, (laughs) y'all the problems. You're the ones that have to be dealt with over and over again and have to repeat. I had to put the words and prophecies and instructions on a rent cycle. (laughs) Keep spinning it around and around and around. (laughs) Amen. It's like, a, it's like a clothing machine up in heaven, and God's throwing us in there. I got to put you on another spin cycle, get that dirt up out of you. Okay, you're clean. I don't even know where I got that from. That just came off. <laughs> That's just crazy. <laughs> but it's just like, okay, you're clean. Now, you're clean. The wrinkles are gone. Now, go down the straight and narrow. And everything will be productive. Okay, God. Oh, <laughs> we're so distractible. Yep, <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, spiritual. Sp- Look, sometimes we got spiritual AD, ADHD or ADD. Like, God, I'm focused this time. I'm committed. Oh, what's that? <laughs> and you be sitting there with all your might. Lord, I'm really focusing this time. Ain't nothing going to come between me and you and the call of my life. 
I'm on board, Lord, 100%. 99 and a half won't do. And you're singing it. 99 and a half won't do. 99. <laughs> you're singing it. All of a sudden, the first thing come along. Oh. And sometimes, and here's the things where it's dangerous. Sometimes we spiritualize it. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And God like, no, no, no. <laughs> I have. Yeah, we sit there, spiritualize it, run after it, and the whole time God's like, I had nothing to do with that. And you just know you heard the word of the Lord. He's like, I had absolutely nothing to do with that. Nothing. The thing is, if we even took the time, that's the thing. Sometimes when it's the desires of our hearts and the mind is so wickedly and deceptively evil, We'll try to put the name of God with it. But if you went back to the simplicity of the scriptures, the word would tell you like that. No, it's not God. You don't need this heaven's opening experience. My beloved child, who I foreknew before the foundation of the world. From my eternal throne room, surrounded by the four and twenty elders, cherubims and seraphims floating around. I did not call you to be there. I mean, sometimes you just go like, <laughs> flip the Bible open. <laughs> you don't have to like find the topic. You can flip the Bible open and no, you way in left field. What you're doing, what you're pursuing, the desire in your heart and mind has nothing to do with Jesus Christ or God the Father or the Holy Spirit at all. It's you, yourself, and you in the flesh pursuing that thing. But we'll try to spiritualize it, and then we get to the road of I'm stuck, or the corner of I'm stuck, and we say, how in the world did I get here? Amen? But um, God's patient. Like I said, God is patient. God will work with us. Um, but that's the thing. We cannot think just because it sounds negative that is not of God. Amen? I was just looking at last night um, the apostles and the deaths that some of them suffered. Some of the things that they experienced before death. Amen. Jesus actually told um, Peter, for the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me. And then he comes back to him later and tells him to feed his sheep three times. And he says, you're going to be basically stretched out. He's talking about you're going to be stretched out on the cross. You're going to be crucified, bro, for the name of Christ. So he said, you might have been a wimp and ran before and denied me. But he said, before you go, you're going to be one of the most powerful preachers, but it's going to cost you your life. You're going to go the same route I went. Stretched out. Amen? Hallelujah. But what if Peter said, Peter, at the time that he got that word, I don't receive it. Uh-uh. That's a negative word. Even from Jesus Christ, I ain't going to believe that because that's negative. You can't tell me I'm going to deny you. I know what I'm made of. But yet, Jesus knew exactly where he lived. Amen? And that's the thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, as we saw in this passage, will try to repeat something to you and witness it place to place, town to town, people to people. And us in our flesh and our emotions and our desires, sometimes we said, nope, I didn't hear it. Or it couldn't be of God because it's not what I want. And see, you got to ask yourself, are you really uh, a Christian from the perspective of I yield my knee to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ to serve him? Or see the eternal sugar daddy in the sky 
and you serve him as it's convenient to you or if it's along the path of the desires and will for your life. Amen. Who is really sovereign? Who is really Lord? Is he the God of inconvenience as much as the God of the blessings and all the things that we desire from him? You know, is he still Lord when he tells you, no, you can't have that? Is he still Lord when he says, that's not the course for your life? You would never, ever, ever have that. Is he still the Lord when you really feel this is the perfect and best opportunity in the now, and yet he says, nope, go that way. Turn that down. It's not for you. Is he still... Lord, is he still as faithful a God as you proclaim in the times that you're getting the desires that you want from him? Amen. Which God do you serve? God, hallelujah, should be Lord regardless of the ups and downs, the ins or outs, the yeses or noes, the yeas or the nays. He should still be Lord of your life. Hallelujah. And I don't think any of us suffer, um, definitely not to this point, I can't speak to the future, but none of us at this point have suffered the things that the apostles have suffered. So the things that we have suffered in terms of inconvenience and hardship and going without, I believe it truly pales in the comparison to what they had. Because at the end of the day, they were starved and shipwrecked and stoned, bitten by serpents. Amen? Holy, we have a hard day. I don't have enough food in my fridge, but guess what? One car drive away if you're at the shop right. Amen? Hallelujah. So we may suffer things, and I'm not trying to belittle the things, but we can't sit here and say, like, oh, well, I can only respond to God, amen, when it sounds good. We're so blessed, amen? So blessed beyond compare. I'm even thinking about the woman from the Voice of the Martyrs years ago. I think she was an 80-year-old woman had gnarled hands, amen? And they came to her one day in jail, and they asked her, you know, you know, why are your hands like that? Arthritis or whatever. And what do you need? And she said, I just want a Bible. And she explained it to him. The reason that my hands are like this is that when they first imprisoned me, I held on for dear life to my Bible so hard that they beat me and beat me and beat me till they ruined my hands for life. Just trying to hold on to the Bible that they were trying to take out of her hands. Amen. And yet we think we're suffering and being martyred for the kingdom just to show up to church every week or to go to a Bible study or to study the word a little bit extra at home or to, to fast and pray. I, we, we're so, so fickle and so superficial and we got it so easy and so good here. Amen. But the days that we're going into may not be the same as they were years and years ago. Amen. So God telling us to be followers of him, he wants us to tighten up and to toughen up some. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we don't know what is on the horizon. Amen? And I think sometimes we take things for granted. We just don't know what is ahead. They are starting to lock up some pastors in the United States for preaching. We don't know what's coming. Amen? Hallelujah. We don't know what is coming. But thank God, as Paul did, we can trust the witness of the Holy Spirit at all times. Another thing that Paul said about the Lord is that... I'm sorry, an attribute of Paul is that Paul was faithful. Amen? And we can see that in Acts 20, verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Look at that. Paul is faithful. He had already been told that he had already announced that he was bound to the spirit to go to Jerusalem, although he didn't know what was going to befall him. 
He said, I'm attached. I'm strapped. I'm handcuffed. I'm a servant. He even called himself a slave at times to the Lord. He said, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, although I don't know what's going to happen to me. And then he follows that up, as we saw in um, Acts 20, 23. He says that in every town I go, the Holy Spirit is witnessing of what is going to be on the horizon. And then he comes here to this thing and says, despite the fact that I'm bound to the Spirit, despite the fact that the Holy Spirit is witnessing in every city that some hardship is heading my way, or maybe my death itself, he says, none of these things move me. I ain't changing one bit. I'm not going to change in terms of the level or fervency at which I preach. I'm not going to change in terms of how I'm determined to finish out my course and serve the Lord. I'm not heading over to, you know, some other city. I'm not heading to, to Ephesus and Corinth and all those other places. The Holy Spirit told me I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. And matter of fact, he wasn't even moved by the people that were concerned for him. There were people weeping and throwing their arms around him. You know, the Holy Spirit showed us that this is going to happen to you. Don't go there, man. Don't go there. And he's like, I appreciate the fact that you're crying for me, but I got to go. Nothing is going to move me in terms of instilling enough fear or trepidation that I'm not going to stay the course of my life, amen, and go exactly where the Holy Spirit tells me to go. So he says, none of these things move me. And then he says, neither do I count my life dear unto myself. I mean, most of us have a self-preservation instinct. I mean, it's just natural. It's not even evil. It's, it's, it's natural. But he says... I don't count my life dear unto itself. Yeah, I'm here what everybody's saying. I'm here what the Holy Spirit is warning, that I might be bound and imprisoned and beaten and even killed. But he says, my life is not dear to me anymore. If you look at the book of Philippians, he actually says, I consider my life dung, cow manure. <laughs> my life is nothing but cow manure. And think about that. I had already shared that this guy, Roman, I mean, Paul was a bad boy. That guy was bad. That, bad. that guy was, I'm talking about bad like in slang. That was a bad boy. Amen. Educated. And he wasn't just like, okay, well, I'm going to any old religious school. This guy was trained under the great Gamaliel. Not an instructor, not a scholar. It says in the Bible that Gamaliel was a doctor of the law. This guy had a doctorate at that time. He was a doctor of the law. He trained Paul and Paul later disputed him and stood his ground. So it's one thing to be trained by a doctorate, a doctor of the law, but then to get to the place where you had a level of knowledge through the Holy Spirit that you can debate him and, like, silence the guy. Paul's no joke. Then he's like, oh, y'all want to come up under me and, 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 and imprison me because I'm violating the customs of the Jews? Oh, I'm a Roman citizen. Can't touch this. My Roman citizenship supersedes your system of laws. So in that situation, he's like, you can't lock me up. I'm Roman. Get your hands off of me. Because you mess with me and the Romans find out, they're going to tear something up here. So in the one situation, he invoked his Roman citizenship and they had to let him go against their wishes. Amen. But then later on, just like Jesus, when the time come that he would be in prison, he wouldn't invoke it. He would let them lock him up and do all these different things with him. So Paul was a bad boy, and yet despite all the credentials and the stature in life, the education and everything, he's like, 
My life is cow manure. When I compare it to the prize of serving my Lord and my Savior, my Master, Jesus Christ, my life means nothing to me. Do your worst. Send snakes, send mobs, shipwreck me, stone me. You're not going to stop me from moving according to the Spirit of God and completing the call of my life. So he did not find his life dear. And he said, as we see here, that I might finish my course. And here's the thing. Not only finish my course, I'm in joy. (laughs) Oh, I just got beat up today. Praise Jesus. Boy, they beat the crap out of me today. Thank you, God. Can you imagine? See, I don't think we personalize this stuff enough or like think about the times. There's times where this guy literally, they just got up from whipping that behind. Bam, bam, bam. That's real world. See, I think sometimes we just read past this stuff. And it's just sentences on a page. But we don't really say, no, let's get some imagery behind this. What happened? Just got that butt whipped. Now, you have been in a fight and was on the losing end. You ain't happy. (laughs) Your pride is hurt. (laughs) You might be angry. You might be thinking, I'm going to get my boys and we're going to come back here. Paul's getting up. Thank you, Jesus. Where's my next destination? Oh, preach on the next corner? Cool. Holy Spirit witnessing. They're going to do it again. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, got a crick in my back. I got a busted lip and a black eye. Praise Jesus. I am going to finish my course with joy. And that was just one day. Another day. Shipwreck. Swimming ashore. Thought I was going to drown that time, Lord. Thank you. Where did I need to preach? Okay. We need to think of this stuff in real terms. This man has been beaten, jailed, stoned. You ever been hit with a rock? That ain't fun. And when they stoned you, they didn't get these little pebbles. They're picking them boulders up. Wham! They try to take your life. I mean, I remember from doing, you know, as a kid, snowball fighting. I was a master. I was a master at dodging and blocking, but I was also a master at taking you out. Man, I hit you from 50 yards moving in the wind with a snowball, and I used to have this trick. (laughs) It was so big. (laughs) Sometimes I knew, like, me and my friends, like, they had a good snow, and we were going to have a snowball fight later in the day. Sometimes I was like, well i got to bring out the nuclear armaments. So I would make some nice, big, fat snowballs, find me a little slushy area, soak them in water, let them freeze up. Then I put a coating of snow on top of them. So they're throwing snowballs. I'm throwing ice balls. (laughs) I'll tear the people up. So I'm saying, like, just think about that. I'm throwing ice balls, which, you know, they hurt, but they break off. This guy's being stoned. They're throwing, like, real rocks at this guy, trying to take his life. And yet, as we see here, I don't count my life dear unto myself. 
but I am finishing my course with joy. I just got beat up, jailed, stoned. And every time he gets up, thank you, Jesus. And here's the thing, not only just thanking you, but Lord, I'm not even worthy of you. You're actually letting me preach your word? I was a murderer. You let me preach your word. I mean, he would be preaching and thinking and having joy in God just to be a part of the kingdom and be a servant after all the stuff he went through. And um, one of the things I studied when I was at Regent, I think they said that they believed the ministry of Paul, he'd gone 1,300 square miles preaching the gospel. 1,300 miles. 1,300 miles straight in a car is a pretty good trip. I mean, you're going to be driving for a while. This guy did 1,300 miles squared, walking, horse, ship. 1,300 miles in primitive, according to our times, primitive times, this guy had that kind of ministry reach. So we don't really know the number of times that, like I said, he got that rear end beat, stone, chase, starve, shipwreck, and throughout all of this, I'm going to finish my course with joy. Praise you, Jesus. My life is not dear. Man, that I'm just worthy to be able to proclaim your name and preach the gospel. I'm right, just going to go to Acts 21. Oh. Acts 21, 10 through 14. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when he heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. So Paul was faithful, totally faithful and committed to the call of Jesus Christ on his life. We see here, even to the point of people prophesying, not just prophesying what was going to be going to befall him when he went different places but as we see here the prophet Agabus not only prophesied it but he gave him a literal demonstration he took the girdle off strapped him up and said this is going to happen to you when you go to Jerusalem and the people basically begged and pleaded and weeped don't go there they're going to kill you and yet Paul said I am faithful to the call that God has before me Man, if we had such fervency in today's church, what could we do to change the world? Amen? Hallelujah. I think a lot of people cannot get outside of... One of the things the Lord showed me during the week is that the intent is that we will be saved, amen, and then we will be fully equipped, transformed by the power of the Word of, of God as well as the Holy Spirit. And even as... Paul said once, we'd be off the milk and we'd be on the meat of the word of God so that each one of us will come into the kingdom as newborns and eventually we would be groomed so we would grow up as spiritual adults in stature, now able to be 
first pattern after the nature of Jesus Christ so we emulate him and imitate him. But then, now, as we come into adulthood, we produce spiritual offspring similar to us that got a lot of flaws and imperfections and quirks and stuff that need to be dealt with. Then we groom them up, then the next generation gets born, and so on, and so on, and so on. But the problem in the day, today's church, really, is that people aren't going through the full process of being groomed, so people are staying in various stages before adulthood. Some people are remaining spiritual babies for their whole life with Christ. Some are remaining toddlers, and some are going through the same repeated cycles where, as we saw earlier, sometimes the Holy Spirit's trying to repeat something to you to change you and mold you and guide you, and you're not listening, so you go through repeated cycles, and yet... God has so much more that he wants to do if people were faithful enough to go through the entire grooming process. Amen. And sometimes grooming is not easy. Sometimes grooming is very rough. Sometimes grooming is painful. But that's just the way it is. Sometimes it comes with that. Sometimes you cannot build yourself up stronger unless there's a breakdown. I'm not talking about an mental breakdown, but I'm talking about, you know, if you're doing athletic training, your muscles get stronger after they break down and then they rebuild. They, they come back bigger and stronger and bulkier. Amen. They can handle more weight and they can handle more impact when you break them down and, and build them back up. But if the things that come your way that break you down leave you broken, you don't build muscles. <laughs> and when you avoid the contact and the trauma, and the different things that God allows to perfect you, then you'll never get to the place of perfection. So you keep, God's trying to say, I'm trying to get you from being on the milk up to the meat. And part of that process, I have to let you go through this, and this, and this, and you'll go up the ladder various steps until, okay, you're fully groomed, now I can launch you out to the world to groom other people. But if you don't allow yourself to go through that process, you stay at the same level. Amen? Hallelujah. So it takes faithfulness on our part to be able to go up the ladder in terms of or, or through various stages of spiritual development. We have to go through that. One of the things they talked about at Regent University was um, spiritual formation. You know, spiritual formation where you it's not enough just to get saved, but you got to go through the process where you're taking in the word and meditating upon the word and making it a part of your life in terms of how you think, how you perceive, how you speak, even your body language should start to be patterned after the nature of Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, a lot of people are not faithful enough to commit to the process and to see it through to the end. Hallelujah. And it's a shame when you really look at it, almost every other organization People will make the necessary sacrifices. Join in a fraternity sorority. You'll go through hazing and all this other stuff and get yourself into it. Fraternal organization for the military, for the police, social clubs. I mean, you can go to a golf club. Well, we got certain criteria, certain standards. You got to abide by to be a, one of us. And then once you get into the organization, there's certain demands and certain things that you have to abide by to remain in the organization. And yet people will run themselves through ringers, do backflips, do whatever it takes to be considered an asset in those organizations and to either join them and to stay in, but in the body of Christ, eh, I don't know. I don't feel like it. 
That's the most priceless organization that has ever existed, being part of the family of God. But yet we won't give God the same level of faithful commitment as we will things of this world, things that will vanish. Amen? That organization will be gone when Jesus comes. (laughs) That committee will be abolished. (laughs) And some of the groups and things that we commit ourselves to won't even last till Jesus arrives. They're barely hanging on by the skin of their teeth right now, but yet we'll give them more devotion and more fervency than we will serving God and even more so getting groomed in God. So a lot of people, it's comfortable just to stay status quo. No energy, no desire, no passion. I mean, if, if God was Donald Trump, you're fired. A lot of people would be fired. You're not committed to me. Look how you're conducting yourselves. Look how you're committing yourselves. Thank God that he doesn't have the same standards as some of the organizations that we'll bend over backward for. Amen? Because a lot of people be kicked out of the club. So we have to come to the place. If we truly want to be followers of Christ, it's not good enough just to be status quo and never grow never be challenged, never be cultivated. That's another thing, being challenged. Every organization on the planet. I mean, Kelly and I did um, martial arts training. I used to love it, man. I'd go in there, and I always gave 100%. But, um, you know, Mr. Tony and Mr. Chris and Mr. Bobby, they knew I gave 100%, but yet I'd be in there. Come on, Fox, man. I'm like, good, yeah, keep yelling. I used to like being challenged. The church... Be here at such, such time. Come to this, come to that. Find me a new church. Don't talk to me like that. Who you, who you think you are talking to me like that? Oh, last time I checked, I thought it was God the Father delegating down to one of his servants who was delegating down to oversee some lives. So how can somebody oversee you and they can't even challenge you? Hmm, wow, that's a new order. That's a new world order for you, <laughs> a satanic world order <laughs> based upon the mindset of this world system where you can't be challenged or can't have your toes stepped on or nobody can tell you how to get this right or get that right in your life. Amen. And the thing is, people with this mindset, they'll move on to the same to the next thing. Oh, that's better. They know how to treat people. They know how to talk to people. They walk in love. Until they do the same thing. Next church, part two. Ah, Woo! Oh, this place is anointed. Woo! He preached your word. Us are full of love. They're not controlling like that other place. Until they tell you to do something. Bible 101. Why don't you show up to church every week? You never ever going to come to Bible study? Hey, how about coming to time? Oh, they're controlling. Next church. Part four, part five, part 10, part 20. And then you're sitting there. You've been saved for 25 years. You don't know the Roman road yet. And you wonder why God never does this in my life. Or my life is always full of chaos. You wonder why. Because you ain't never been groomed. You ain't never been challenged. The best thing that happened for a leader over you is to challenge you and step on your toes if it produces godly fruit and maturity and more strength out of your life. Amen?
Hallelujah. That's the best thing that could happen for you. Amen? You know, going back to our martial arts training, I used to love these bark orders with me. I mean, I kind of look at them, man. If I went through a class and they ain't yell at me, I'm like, what's wrong, man? You don't love me anymore? Well, come on, Foss, give me 10 more. I say, oh, okay, he loves me. Yeah. You see, when somebody's seeing something, and by nature, people at times could be lazy. So a lot of times, and here's the thing, when I was teaching people, I even, um, I remember one time, Dana came over our house for a while, and, and, and Yolanda, and we were doing like workouts at the house and everything, and I would watch them. And sometimes, certain people in that group, oh, you're trying to kill us. You too mean. And I would sit there, and I would start out, say, okay, let's stretch for a while. Like, all right, 25 jumping jacks. And as they were doing it, they would think, like, I'm being mean and challenge them because, oh, you're pushing too hard. But when I would see them doing the 25, I was like, oh, they're really getting good. 25 ain't enough for them. They could do 50. So, see, I would see something in them that would make me say, go further. Amen? So, if anything, sometimes when somebody's looking at you and saying, give me more push harder, go further. It's not because they're being mean and trying to step on your toes and weigh down on you and control you and pressure you. They see something in you that they're trying to make part of your normal repertoire. See, I see you got 50% more in you than the, you know, 25. I see you got 50 in you. So let's get you to 50 regularly. Okay, now you're at 50, 50 regularly. Let's do 100. Hundreds too much? Okay, let's do 75. And see, now you get next to 75. You're like, whoo, 75 is good. And next thing you know, I'm saying, give, you, give me 75. You're like, no, 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 teacher. I'm going to give you 100. Who, who you think you are? You ain't going to give me 75. I'm doing 100. Amen? You see, you start feeling your own growth. And see, it's the same thing in the body of Christ. But the problem is a lot of people never want to be challenged. So because they aren't challenged, because they're not stretched, because they're not tested, Staying in, on, in the baby's diapers on, eating pablum. God's saying, I'm trying to give you a seven-course meal with steaks, and you're still eating baby food with no teeth, gumming it stuff. God's like, wow, you should have been perfecting and grooming people now. on it. i got to change that diaper again. Whew, what a stench. Whew, what a stench. You should be mature right now. Come on. So we should all desire to be challenged. I mean, in my first church I got saved under, we used to love it when Pastor Granite, we didn't always agree, but we used to love when Pastor Granite would challenge us. Because, like, you know what? We're learning something new. We're being exposed to something that maybe you never thought of or even would think we would do before, and we would come out of it's like, wow, I really got something out of that. Amen? Hallelujah. Next one we'll look at is 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 55 through 58. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We see here, really, that nothing the enemy could send our way, even unto death in the grave, can stop us, amen, can destroy us. Can destroy our body, maybe, but the spirit is eternal, will live on. It says here we can give thanks to God who gives us the victory. See, you don't have to fight for victory if you're faithful in God. You don't have to fight for victory. God has made you victorious. And see, there might be situations where it seems you lost the battle, but that's just things that become a part of our testimony, things that, once again, equip us and strengthen us. Sometimes even making mistakes that we stumble through strengthen us so that we face biggest challenges in the future, we're better prepared for those things. So it's all good. We're always on a process of growing and, re- and improving if we're faithful unto God. We see here that regardless of what we go through, God's not looking at us like, I'm allowing this to happen because you're my last nerve and I don't like you as much and I want to punish you. We see here that he refers to us as his beloved. Amen? Beloved. And he, he tells us, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So the circumstances that you're facing should have no bearing on the fervency at which you are serving the Lord. You should be just as hungry for Jesus on your bad days, amen, as on your good days. You should treasure your relationship with God just as much on the worst day of your life as you do on the best day of your life, amen. So when that negative report comes in, you lost your job, sickness in your body, whatever it may be, you should be thankful to Jesus Christ and the fact that you are still considered beloved by him. I mean, that's an amazing thing, beloved. It's one thing to say, I like you. It's one thing to say you're in the family because, you know, there's certain people in your family. Do I have to be related? (laughs) Really, Lord? (laughs) Couldn't you have filtered the bloodline a little bit? Down that way? I mean, it's bad enough. (laughs) Like, seriously, my DNA, (laughs) mine, (laughs) is in that individual. (laughs) The blood coursing through their veins. (laughs) If Ancestry.com does an inspection, they're going to bring us up together (laughs) on the same page. (laughs) We may not necessarily like that. But thank God that some of us might, if God were like we are as people, God might view some of us the same way, but yet he chooses, despite all our quirks, our flaws, our stumblings, all our stubbornness, all our foolishness, God still looks at each one of us and he calls us beloved. Amen? Calls us beloved. So he tells us that we should be steadfast. Amen? Unmovable. Unmovable. Think about that. That's just saying that no matter what comes your way, no, how, no matter how grievous it may be, be immovable in who God is in your life and how much you love him and how much you're committed to him. You know, always abounding in his work. That word abounding, I'm not just going through the motions for God. No, I am abounding. I am prospering in the work of the Lord. I am successful. And that doesn't mean that everything... Every action or endeavor you pursue in God isn't necessarily successful, but abounding is as a lifestyle, as an overall 
were to describe your relationship with the Lord. So yes, you may have a bad day, but overall, I'm abounding in God. See, that's the thing. When you have the mindset with God that your stature in him or your relationship with him is based upon the now and the current situation, you're looking so much shorter um, or more tunnel vision in terms of how your relationship with God truly is. If you're just looking at what have you done for me lately? What is God doing now? What about the 8 million things he's done before now, half of which you weren't even aware? Amen? I was just looking at something the other day, and um, even um, just, just the other night, and, and, and last night, I mean, I was, I was struggling with a cold, and um, then we had uh, something that there's like a, a, maybe a chemical spill from my chainsaw, something like that we were smelling, and um, as I was breathing and stuff, I was just like, Man, I was just thinking, like, there's times, like, the enemy has tried to attack me in the area of my breathing, going back to my childhood. Like, I don't even recall it, but family members told me that I had bronchial asthma as a little kid, and I guess I outgrew it. But then I had times where I could have been choked out. Amen? I ain't going to go into details. Y'all be like, ooh. (laughs) But there's certain times where this could have occurred, and then as an adult, I struggled with asthma for years, and the enemy... Had, at times to try to bring that back. And I'm just like, man, I can really relate to, you know, the songs like we sang today where breathe through me and live through me and I'm nothing without you. And just every breath that we have, we should be thankful for in God because there's been times where my breath could have left me had it not been for the Lord's hand of intervention. So we should be thanking God and always abounding and steadfast and unmovable no matter what we're going through because Every day is just a miracle in itself. Every single day is a miracle. You know, he, he just showed me that. Every day is a miracle. Because had it not been for the Lord, how many of us would have stroked out? Heart attack. Something ruptured. Car crash. That person that came in your neighborhood that hit another house. That fire that erupted that was down the street could have had your name on it. Amen? Even the hurricanes coming. Look at this. We have multiple years of hurricanes coming. And, and I'm looking at this thing last year. We were literally in the eye of the hurricane. I don't know about you. I, I tracked this thing, weather.com, and literally followed the path of the hurricane when it was out over the ocean. And even before it got to land, I was tracking this thing, and it gave you the capability to zoom in, and it would show you the projected path. Every time I looked at that thing, that thing said, Cherry Hill, Philadelphia. I was like, wow, we're literally in the eye of this bad boy. And you can say, oh, well, the eye of the storm is the most peaceful part. Well, the outer part hits you before the eye. So I'm not taking anything for granted. <laughs> Yeah, I understand about the eye of the storm. I'm cool when it, uh, yeah, we inside the eye of the storm. Okay, it's not hitting us. But what about the, the thing being a super storm covering, what was it, like almost a thousand miles? Well, we got to get through a thousand miles of that thing before the eye gets here. Amen? So I'm like, I'm trusting in the Lord and thanking him that he would make our lives and our house unmovable. And like I said, I was so blessed that we've been praying and everything. And at one point, you know, I, I had gone out 
and anointed the boundaries of our home and everything and commanded the, the trees to stay up and protect our neighbor's property and, and camp angels around the, the boundaries of our property to protect our home. And, you know, it was such a blessing. We looked outside at one point and there was wild turkeys just resting in our backyard. I was like, wow, they probably see the angels on the four boundaries. And they said, hey, we're going between the angels. Let's go sit in that yard. So I was like, wow. God, you know, his, loves us so much. It just shows us how beloved we are that God sometimes will send a sign of, I got you. Amen. I know the storm is still raging. I know you hear the winds whipping around you. But I got you. Amen. I got you in the palm of my hand. I got you. And because of that, we can be faithful to the Lord. But see, sometimes we only have that sense of the hand of the, being in the hand of the Lord and that protection divine um keeping us in the midst of the storm during the times of the storm and one of the things the lord's just shown me is like don't just have a sense of my provision and my protection in the midst of the storm be aware that even on the calmest of days the protection and the the security is still there and see when we think about that then we could be more faithful, and realize that, hey, I got so much that I could do for him. But sometimes I got to be willing to get up and push myself and to pursue and to be diligent. I can't choose to just sit back and, oh, somebody else will do it, or I'll wait till he asks me to do it. Why not say, God, I want to do it? Yeah, volunteer. Why not volunteer? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to stop with that today. We're going to continue on next week. Amen. Once again, talking about being ye followers, imitators, mimics. <laughs> you remember as kids, you get mad when people mimic you? And especially teachers, boy, you get a detention out of that. You mimic a teacher? Oh, you funny, huh? You can be funny at lunchtime or after school. But see, this is a case where you can mimic, and it's awesome. God's like, oh, they mimicking me. They're taking on my attributes. And see, he just gave me this too. It's one thing to mimic me. It's quite another that you go from mimicking, which could be just parroting back what you see, to go from mimicking to it becoming such a part of you that now you're no longer mimicking me and it is the essence of who you are. That's where God wants to get us. Amen. So we start off with mimicking, but then we adapt, we mold, we are refined. We take on his character. So now we become like him. And then others can see us and say, oh, I'm going to mimic him or her. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all rise. And, and like I said, that'll be it for today. We're going to continue on next week. Let us all be followers of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Followers of Christ with the anointing to break yokes in our own lives and in the lives of others. Hallelujah. With the power, hallelujah, to change the atmosphere in our coming and our going. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, for everything you're doing in our lives. Once again, I thank you, Father, that you gave me uh, that word uh, for us to be followers of you, Lord. And then you confirmed the word by having Pam speak that to me the following morning, even though I hadn't said anything. I know without a shadow of doubt that that's a divine 
uh, confirmation and a divine assignment for this time and season, Father, that we will all strive to walk in the likeness of Christ. And, Father, striving to be like you is not a superficial thing. Hallelujah. It's not dressing the right way. It's not saying the right thing. It's not the latest gospel fad. But instead, Father, this is something where we have a change of heart and mind, Father. The essence and core of our being, Father, starts to take on more and more the likeness of your word. And we just thank you, Father, that as we would, hallelujah, allow ourselves to go through the process of studying your word, of allowing you to speak into our lives and us yielding to even the things that we may not like or appreciate or want to do. We thank you, Father, that as we would bend our knee to your sovereignty, hallelujah, and follow and adapt to the changes that you have for our, our lives, Father, that not only would you deliver us and heal us and make us completely whole, hallelujah, but you would also prosper us and give us the capacity, Father, to groom others, Father, to adapt to your likeness. We thank and praise you, Father, that this world needs a lot of little Jesuses. Amen. Hallelujah. People that have the personality, that have the compassion, that have the love. Hallelujah. Like Jesus. That none of us would, hallelujah, make ourselves superstars or walk in pride or think we're of, hallelujah, great report. But, Lord, that we will walk in the same love and, and fervency that your servant Paul had, Lord. We thank and praise you, Father, as we would begin to walk in that, Father, that many lives will be touched. In the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will receive all the, the glory and the honor and praise. We praise you, Father, hallelujah, that no matter what strongholds, no matter what barriers would be in our path, Father, hallelujah, by your spirit, give us the power to overcome those things, hallelujah. And we know, Father, that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, hallelujah. You will complete all the things that you ordained for our lives, Father, as we would bend our knees to you. So we praise and thank you, Father, for this. We thank you, Father, that by your spirit, if there be any ungodly attitudes or mindsets, Father, in us that have prevented us from walking in the sureness of our calling, we praise you right now, Father, that, hallelujah, you would cast out every imagination, hallelujah, uproot every foul and ungodly and demonic word that's been spoken over us, hallelujah, uproot anything, Father, that's in our hearts and our minds, even negative things we have about ourselves, Father, based upon experiences, based upon things that have been done to us or spoken over us, based upon even things that we have ourselves done willingly, Lord. We thank you right now, Father, that you would purge us of all these things, Father. Plant your word, hallelujah. Give us a sensitivity of the spirit, hallelujah, to hear you as you would speak, Lord. And as we would be obedient, Father, to you, Lord, that you would make the way plain and straight, Father. Even in the times of difficulty, we thank you, Father. You give us the power, the peace, and that we will feel your presence in our circumstances, that you would be glorified in every aspect of our lives. And we just thank and praise you, Father, for divine fruitfulness, divine, hallelujah, proficiency and efficiency, divine power and authority to touch, hallelujah, the captives and set them free. We thank and praise you, Father, for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah.